What's up, y'all? It's Will here with Schedulefly. And I'm excited today to have Chris Canine on the phone. Uh, I've gotten to know him recently, and uh, he's been in the business for a very long time. I've done my done some research right up on you, Chris. I already have a lot of respect for you and what you've accomplished. He's got um, Pizza Gallery and Grill, as well as 28 North, as well as Edible Art Catering down in Melbourne, Florida. And also has a not-for-profit, which we'll wrap about, I'm excited to learn about, called Hospitality Life. And has a just a big passion for the industry and comes from a creative, innovative family and uh, has some a lot of creativity on his side, but clearly uh, has a lot of uh, a lot of work and drive, work ethic and drive. And in fact, I noticed on your Instagram page it says you went to the school of hard knocks, which I love. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, the hospitality industry, right? <laughs> oh my gosh, it sure is, man. Well, thanks, thanks for taking the time to do this. I, I do really appreciate it. Yeah, likewise. I appreciate you uh, asking. Well, um, well, okay. Let's let's just start wherever it began. I mean, how did you get into hospitality initially? Uh, I would say, uh, as a kid, young kid, um, and you mentioned two things: the creative, innovative part of me. I think comes from my mom. She's an incredible watercolor artist. Uh, my there's a lot of art history in my family. My grandmother was an amazing. Uh, miniature watercolor artists. I had a grandfather that was an amazing carver, wood carver. So there's a whole ton of artists in my family. And then work ethic definitely came from my dad, you know, workaholic, Marine Corps, mm. uh, con- contractor, general contractor, architect, you know, CPA, I mean, jack of all trades. So between the two of them, you know, they definitely uh, birthed me and this uh, work ethic creative guy. Um, but I probably had a restaurant job when I was 14 in, you know, Melbourne Beach, Florida, and washing dishes at a little pizza place. And, um, you know, I had a few jobs doing things like that as a kid. And then after high school, uh, went to attempt to go to college and really wasn't the academic guy. You know, I had, I can tell everybody I had academic ADD, just too much energy to sit in a classroom. Yeah. And, too much creativity to, yep. to listen for long enough to respect the teacher. So I, you know, ventured out into the uh, work world quickly at you know 16, 17, 18, uh, and at eighteen I was uh, working like three jobs in South Florida, Jupiter, um, and one of them was with Domino's Pizza and Domino's just delivering pizzas. Uh, but one of the managers asked me if I had any interest in managing a Domino's? And I was like, no, not really. It's just a job to help me pay some bills now. And he mentioned how much money he was making. And I was like, oh, well, okay. Yeah, now, now I'm interested. So at, I think he was like 19, 20 years old, and he was making about $50,000 30 plus years ago, 35 years ago. So it was really good money back then for young people. And uh, I was like, yeah, I'm interested. And jumped into the... MIT program with Domino's, uh, got a store of my own within a few months and broke records in that store and moved to another store and broke records and moved to another store and broke records until a franchisee in Gainesville, Florida found out about my, I guess, uh, my, my, my track record. And he recruited me up to Gainesville to run the number one Domino's pizza in the whole company. And I was right in the middle of University of Florida, Gator Country, 
and I tell people I graduated from the School of Hard Knocks at the University of Florida. Um, so learned how to run a very, very high volume Domino's pizza in the middle of 40,000, you know, young college kids and, um, broke a whole bunch of records there, had a really good, um, experience, went through all the Domino's pizzas, franchise classes was really close to franchising, um, and realized how, I guess, limited I was with Domino's you know, Domino's way. It was it was their way and it was a great way, but there was no creative opportunities. I had to do everything Domino's Pizza way. Mm. So that artist, I guess, gene inside me was a little bit uh, discontent with making the same pepperoni pizzas over and over and over and over. Um, I would send my Domino's drivers out to the grocery store to get some barbecue sauce or teriyaki sauce or chicken or different toppings that we weren't allowed to sell. And I would, I would just have them come back and we'd do some experimenting for ourselves and make our own pizzas. Not to sell through Domino's, but just make our own pizza R&D. And uh, so then uh, it was 1989 that I had this you know, decision time to continue to pursue the franchise direction or try and do something on my own. And uh, kind of labeled it as an entrepreneurial seizure. I had it a moment of <laughs> either unclarity or clarity. I don't know because it all sounds good and great, and everybody, you know, lots of people want to be their own boss, and lots of people think they, you know, want to own their own restaurant. And uh, you mm. probably know as well as I do. Well, it's not. It's not easy. Uh, pretty simple, you know, making food and serving people, but it sure isn't easy. Um, so yeah, 1989 uh, jumped out and. Uh, did a little more R&D with a friend that I had met at Domino's and opened up his own place. And at the age of 20, uh, began that entrepreneurial road. And at 21, I opened up my first pizza gallery uh, in downtown Melbourne. So that, that was the beginning of that 30-year, so I, I guess I got into it. That's uh, not what I had thought I was going to do, but uh, that's the path the journey that I took and absolutely love what I do. Well, I, I can tell, man, you can hear it in your voice. What, why did, why were you breaking all those records? What were you doing? Uh, some, I was listening to the, uh, fundamentals, I think is really what it was. And back then Domino's said, just, you know, do these things and you'll, you know, continue to succeed. And, some of those fundamentals were, you know, have a car top sign on all your cars, you know, it's free advertising. Um, put box tops on top of every pizza box with a kickback coupon or some kind of special. Um, do customer callbacks, you know, every night, you know, call a few of the customers that you, um, you know, that you deliver to and ask them how dinner was, you know. Mm. And, uh, Very cool. you know, some of those fundamental things that uh, not many people were doing. We did a lot of door hanging back then where we would just go out into a neighborhood and hang coupons on doors, uh, a lot of door hanging. <laughs> and then, you know, as I, as I, my creative juices would get going, you know, I, my franchisee invent, he uh, invested in one of those Noid costumes. I don't know if you're old enough to remember the avoid the Noid campaign that Domino's pizza had. It was this weird looking red kind of, mixture of a rabbit versus a rabbit meets like Gumby 
It's just this strange-looking character that Domino's used as one of their marketing campaigns. So my uh, franchisee had bought one of the costumes, and we would ride around campus in the back of a pickup truck and just costume and tossing out cups with coupons and candy and things inside of free pizzas, and we just we did some crazy things. I mean, I even invested in a CB radio. This is this is really aging me now. Uh, back when we had CB radios, I invested in the base station that we kept the base station at the restaurant and we put CB radios in all of our driver's cars for my store and we would communicate with them to make our service better but we would also do a lot of, I would call it like pizza espionage and we'd be spying on the other competitors and where they would go and deliver and then we would follow up behind their delivery guys and go to the door and offer our product for the customer to compare so we were we were doing some very innovative marketing back then that definitely helped us uh, achieve a lot of this success. I love the callbacks, man. Gosh, that's nobody. I bet. Well, a lot of those things, like you said, simple things that people probably overlook. They don't understand the value of it. Um, I. Uh, you said the callbacks. It's so funny the reaction you get when you call a customer and say, you know, hey, this is Chris with Domino's. I'm just calling to see how you're pizza was tonight you know what the first reaction is uh is there something wrong with it oh (laughs) yeah exactly because they're not used to that that. yeah they don't even understand why you're calling they think there's a problem and i'm like no i'm just calling to make sure we met your expectations tonight and hopefully we exceeded them and service was good and the driver was polite and how was everything they're like everything was great (laughs) i was like awesome so we'll, we'll hear from you soon and they're like heck yeah so it was, it was funny response when you call back people to just check and see how everything was. Not, uh, not that, the norm. Well, it, it, these little things, are, it's always fascinating to me, um, and, and especially nowadays. You know, the idea of customer service is just, it's so overlooked and it's so rare that I think when you, mm. when you provide yeah, it, is. people are so, they're just so surprised that it leaves them leaves a mark leaves you know it has an it has a a um an impact significantly beyond you know it's like a leveraged thing right like you make this little effort and then the impact is you know non-linear to that by a thousand fold it's crazy yeah it, it definitely there those kinds of touches are not uh the norm anymore and, and right before i got on this call with you i was talking to my insurance agent and he said chris i want to let you know i was there a couple months ago for my birthday and it was one of the most memorable birthdays he dined at our 28 north gastro pub one of the most memorable birthdays i've ever had i was like wow that's really awesome and he goes the touch you put you know we print our own menus in house and we print you know a happy birthday at the top uh, michael and uh, he said that touch you know just just stuck with me you know and everybody got a menu and it all said you know happy birthday michael a little personal message to him on the printed menu and you know you do those things and people are just it obviously stuck with him this is months later he's unsolicited giving me you know a big huge thanks and i'm like that's awesome we love doing that and that's what we that's what i love doing serving people to exceed those expectations well um now here's the thing 
This is the rub. This is why you mentioned that the business is so hard. Well, one of the many reasons. That comes to you naturally or through, you know, observing your parents and, and a lot of, but a lot of it's, you know, you, you get that. That's not something that you have to, had to learn. It just makes sense. It, I mean, it seems so obvious, but to many people, it's just not, uh, for you it is, that's clear. Now, then the question is because it's not obvious to everybody is how do you lead people there or somewhere close to where you are in terms of feeling that way about the customers, particularly when you know, you're the owner. It, of course it matters to you so much. This is your baby. But how do you get people, uh, good people, really good people, to provide that level of service that you would expect and that you would provide yourself? Yeah, that definitely is a million-dollar question with finding people as passionate as I am and and paying attention to the details. You know, they, the details do matter. But honestly, as I dine out today, it doesn't seem that the details matter to the general public anymore. That I went out to breakfast this morning with my whole family, and and there was so many misses. I, I won't pick on them, but details that were I was like, wow. And I know the restaurant owner there, and I was like, wow. I know he wouldn't be happy with this, but place is still packed. You know, great location, and I don't think people really appreciate those details. But one huge influence for me that helps me keep it real simple with with doing those things, uh, I, I ran into uh, Ari Wineswig, I think is how you pronounce his last name. He's with Zingerman's up in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Uh, they have an amazing uh, community of business up there. It's called the Zingerman's Community of Businesses. And yeah, they've got about eight or ten. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Yeah, I've heard of Zingerman's for sure. Yeah, so Zingerman's is a really cool cultural community of businesses and I attended a uh, workshop with them one year. I've been up there a couple times. I've been to a few of their restaurants, delis, and places. Um, But they have a pretty simple little concept of, you know, uh, great service. And it's uh, find out what the customer wants, get it for them, and go the extra mile. So that name printed on a menu or that customer callback or that, uh, you know, holding the door while the guest leaves, you know, or going and getting the door before they come through the front door, those little extra mile things that the customer didn't ask you for, you know, and Zingerman's puts it pretty simple as, you know, anything that the customer doesn't ask you for would be an extra mile effort. If they ask you for extra napkins and you bring them to them, you're you're getting them what they wanted. But if you you know drop a few extra napkins off when they're eating wings, you know, and you know they're going to need them, you know, that's a little bit of an extra mile effort. So kind of, I hate to say dumbing it down, but really keeping it simple. Find out what the customer wants, get it for them, and go the extra mile was a a great simple way to, uh, I guess, influence my staff and then allow them to be creative in what that extra mile is. You know, we are, both of our restaurants are in an outdoor mall. I've had some of our, uh, uh, team members actually leave our restaurant and go next door to a competitor to get something we were out of to bring it back to make sure the customer had it, you know, or, or run to Coldstone Creamery and grab an ice cream for a kid because we didn't have, you know, ice cream. So doing those kinds of extra mile things are, are amazing. 
and making sure we as leaders recognize when the team members do that, you know, and when the customer appreciates it, uh, keeping it simple, but giving them the opportunity to be creative and innovative is, is one of our values. Man, I love that. And you know, the experience you had this morning, you, you said that the customer doesn't expect it anymore. I think you're right. But one of the good things, at least in my mind, is that the bar is so low now, uh, unfortunately. But if you're nailing the basics of taking really good care of people and providing good hospitality, it's such a differentiated experience that, it, it, unfortunately, it's almost easy to wow people now. In other words, you know, you do the basic things that you ought to do and people are blown yeah. away. It's just, it's fascinating, but it gives you, it gives folks like you that, you know, have that in your DNA, a, a big advantage. And there's, you know, no surprise here uh, for me that you've, you've been at it 30 years and have been real successful at it and have built the reputation, you know, that you have. I mean, it's, um, those things never go out of style food trends come and go and decor comes and goes, you know, design style and so on and so forth. But that basic, just, you know, executing on taking really good care of people and making them feel at home. I mean, isn't that what hospitality is, right? Exactly. Exactly. And it's pretty fundamental. People get, you know, a little distracted by shiny objects and squirrels or that they're trends or or an innovative menu item or something and you know that pizza gallery you know we it was probably 20 years ago that we transitioned from pizza gallery to pizza gallery and grill we actually added the ampersign and grill when we went from a a 40 seat uh uh, independent uh freestanding building to building our own you know 4500 square foot freestanding building to 150 seats hmm. we added the and grill well we did some amazing grilled items you know great food and incredible food and all about quality you know a lot of, all about freshness and you know really tried our best to promote that and grill aspect we weren't just pizza we were gourmet pizza and a whole lot more was one of our taglines well we finally figured out another five or ten years down the road that you know, people are coming to us because it says pizza gallery. Uh, they're not coming to us for the incredible chicken or fish or steak or seafood. You know, most of them know us as our core competency. So sticking to those fundamentals, you know, next door at, uh, at pizza gallery was, uh, was, was, uh, was an aha moment, you know, trying to be more than what we were, you know, at least recognized as fundamentally. Um, and still, you know, having the balance of menu items now, it's it's probably a little more 60-40 as a pizza blend to the entrees, salads, and other items, where it used to be like 80-20. Um, and that's kind of what inspired the gastro pub was that innovative, uh, you know, itch to do something different. Mm. And, uh, yeah, that, that came around uh, about two years ago. and. Uh, Melbourne does not have anything like, matter of fact, Melbourne didn't know what a gastro pub was before 28 North opened up. They had no idea. <laughs> and gastro pubs been around the urban settings for probably a decade or longer. Oh yeah. Uh, and started in Europe, you know, England, probably 20, 30 years ago at least. But 
nobody knew what one was in Melbourne up to about uh, a year and a half ago, and uh, we've we've definitely uh, uh, broke the mold and broke the ice here with with that trend now. Oh, that's really cool. Um, yeah, that's surprising that you didn't have one there until a year and a half ago. Uh, but good opportunity for you. Did did um? Oh, go ahead. No, just just saying it was um, that kind of creative. I have a when I introduce myself to folks, I, I introduce myself as the the visionary liability of our company. <laughs> our, our company is called Higher Purpose Holdings. I believe we also you know have a bigger purpose than you know just serving people. Um, but I introduce myself as a visionary liability because I'm constantly thinking of new ideas and creative concepts and you know, have a vision to continue to expand more and more and more. We've had multiple different concepts. We have multiple different organizations right now. Um, but I got to realize that I got to also slow down and let my team catch up and pay attention to the fundamentals like we were just talking about. You know, those those fundamentals will never go away and mm. can be all kinds of creative with concepts and things. And they do come and go. Uh, trends definitely come and go fads come and go at fundamental customer service uh to find out what they want to get it for them and and it's funny uh zingerman's throws in the little ape acronym a p e accurately politely and enthusiastically so mm. you want to find out what the customer wants yes but you want to get it for them accurately politely and enthusiastically and then oh yeah go the extra mile so keeping it fundamental is uh is important. It's hard for me because I have a lot of uh, creative, passionate energy. So I'm usually a couple of miles out in front of my team and they're trying to reel me back in constantly. Uh, but also getting a little older and a little more conservative and seeing the uh, light of, you know, transitional retirement off in the near future, maybe, maybe the next decade. Yeah. Yeah, transitional retirement. Yeah, you'll never you'll never stop fully. I can tell that. But no, um, I hope not. No, definitely not. <laughs> well, you know, um, tell me. Okay, so then, who do you have? Who balances you the best on your team? Because a lot of creatives like yourself that have all that energy tip may have somebody that's, um, you know, has a different skill set that offsets you know things that are not as natural to you. Yeah, for sure. My wife, Robin, yeah, hundred uh, percent keeps me grounded, humbled for sure. Yeah, um, but yeah, then um, incredible leadership team, uh, probably about a, about ten people. And a culture that we built here is is just I can't take you know much credit for it. A little bit, but again, I'm I'm a man of faith, so uh, a lot of credit to the culture that has been built here with our longest tenured employees been with me for 20 years, um, mm. and dozens of them have been with me for a decade or longer. Uh, some 15, 16, 17 years. So just really a good, strong culture, uh, good leadership, um, people that care about you know what they do, take responsibility for it, are humble when they fall short, and uh, yeah, it, it works. And then uh, we also have the you know the probably 30 to 40 percent of our staff that turns over you know every six months, like every uh, buddy in this industry, but. Our turnover overall is probably in the 30 to 40 percent, whereas mm. our industry, it's in the 100 to 200 percent. Sure is. 
Yeah. Um, well, okay. So you guys are trucking along like everybody else. Economy's been good for a while. I'm sure there's been a lot of growth down there in Melbourne. Oh, yeah. And then uh, March 2020 comes around. Um, yep. What's, uh, you know, think, things have been very fluid and have changed frequently the last few months. I mean, in some ways it's, uh, it seems like it's been like a year since we got yeah. started and all this stuff because so much happens so quickly and so many changes happen. And there's a, there's a, you know, a, a gosh, there's a policy that's put in place and it's changed or, you know, and of course everything varies depending on what state you're in. And then within that state, what city you're in now, Florida has been fairly open for business all along. So I'm just, you know, it's been really interesting to me to speak to owners around the country and get a sense of, you know, where their business is at, um, and where their community is at because no matter your what you think about all this uh, y'all being independent restaurant owners have been very hamstrung in a lot of cases by things completely out of your control uh on the policy end so i'm just curious what's what's it been like down there more melbourne melbourne's been uh been very lucky brevard county is a almost a hundred mile long north to south county right on the east coast of florida right in the middle near cocoa beach and cape canaveral's in brevard county where they launched all the nasa rockets so we're a long county there's no urban you know density anywhere so we didn't have any major impact by covid i mean we had minimal cases when it first came out uh we had like 11 deaths you know for the first two or three months uh, then when they, this was in the quarantining phases and when they reopened, we started to spike some. So, you know, the, the consumer confidence has been a roller coaster for sure. Mm. You know, Brevard again was very minimally impacted in the beginning and it still is minimally impacted compared to, you know, South Florida, Miami, Orlando, Tampa, those more dense urban areas. But for us, you know, when it when that March fifteenth, uh, you know, COVID, you know, pandemic news came out, um, you know, it was it was it was <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it. And you know, uh, you, you're supporting the whole restaurant industry with your company, and uh, it took the legs out from under the whole industry. Mm. Uh, so it was uh, something I've never experienced, and I've been through a ton of big valleys and peaks you know in my 30 years with with 9-11s and recessions 2008 and here in Brevard County 2004 we had four hurricanes come right through Brevard County and I mean whether it's hurricanes or recessions or or you know uh, the 9-11 crisis nothing compared to this pandemic thing and um Pizza Gallery fortunately had a strong carryout business. It it continued to do that. Obviously, the state shut down every restaurant, so it, it shut down every business when it happened. Twenty Eight North is more of a high end uh, gastro pub, so did not have a takeout uh, business at the time. So we had to close it immediately. Uh, we had to lay off about a hundred employees between the two restaurants. Our catering company came to a halt. Every event we had on the books was canceled. Uh, so, you know, the only thing that kept us even 
remotely alive was a you know 15 percent of our sales carryout business through our our pizza gallery and grill and we were able to bring all of our leadership from each company into pizza gallery to sustain their uh, their salaries uh, laid off a whole ton of people um and it was just it was brutal it was um it was a shock you know it was like the only reprieve i had in that moment you know number one was my faith Mm. number two was it wasn't something i caused or i did or or that we did it wasn't something the company fell short it wasn't our fault right so that was the only reprieve is that this is happening to everybody yeah okay how are we going to pull together or tighten up the hatches batten down the hatches what are we going to do to get through it how long nobody knows how long this process is going to be so it was shut down you know the catering company shut down the gastro pub uh, pull the leaders into pizza gallery you know stick together you know try and do the best we can with every bit of creative carry out curbside third-party delivery we could drum up and uh, then it was the that moment that you know, I think you had mentioned uh, hospitality life. We, I was part of starting a nonprofit about four years ago uh, called Hospitality Life with another local restaurateur. And uh, it was during the night that I had to send out the, uh, uh, the, the memo to my entire team that we were shutting down and it's time. Here's a packet for you to go follow employment. Here's all kinds of resources through hospitality life that you can go and get help and i was like how else can i help my team you know and i felt this heavy burden you know i mean Mm, one of the biggest burdens i've ever felt as as an entrepreneur and uh, i was like okay let's go to gofundme and you know the facebook fundraisers and see if we can raise some money for our team you know we we're big into outreach we do a ton for our community that has been a huge part of our success for 30 years. We're, we're constantly doing some kind of outreach every month. We're in, involved in a ton of nonprofits here locally. So we've, we've, we've done a lot over 30 years. So I was like, okay, now it's time for me to ask for help for our team members. And uh, I'll never forget when I was filling out the whole GoFundMe page, I got to the bottom part where it said, how much money do you want to raise? And I'm like, okay. And it, it had like $10,000 as a placeholder. And I was like, well, that's nothing for a hundred employees, <laughs> you know? And I was like 20,000, 30,000, 50,000. I was like, even $50,000 is not much for a hundred employees. It, if I divide it all up, I yeah. was like, it felt <laughs> crushing. Like, like, what can I do for them? And at that moment I was like, well, I can at least feed them. And, uh, the whole paradigm, you know, had a little intuitive moment that uh, we can we can feed our team and we can feed more people. We can feed a lot of people with $10,000. With $50,000, we could feed a ton of people. Um, when you're talking food costs, 30 cents on the dollar. So we put together a little uh, component of hospitality life called Feed the Need, and we raised a little over $20,000 in a matter of 30 days. And to date, we've We've probably fed close to 10,000 people over the last four months. Man. And uh, it's, it, the demand was immediate. It's kind of waned off now, so which is good. Uh, people are getting back to work. I've collected some unemployment checks, some stimulus checks. So 
the demand isn't quite what it was, but out of the gate, we were feeding people every day in, uh, you know, dozens, but we also had six other restaurant locations come to join us and collaborate. So we had about a 60 mile span of restaurants that covered Brevard County that would supply a hot meal for any food and beverage worker that was unemployed and, and needed a hot meal uh, every day of the week, seven days a week. So that was uh, one way that I, I think relieved a little bit of my burden. Mm. And uh, through that, the Hospitality Life name became more prevalent in Brevard County. It, it had some some marketing radar. You know, we, we got on the radar of Brevard and uh, had some really cool stuff, some, some collaborative uh, videos were done and a lot of sharing and raised a lot of money and awareness. And uh, the food and beverage industry is is a love of mine. And I think you said it in the beginning, I, I do absolutely love what I do. And I have a passion for our, our, our industry, our people. And, uh, you know, I, I like serving my team even more than I like serving our guests. Because if mm. I serve my team really, really well, yeah. the guests get taken care of. Sure. But if I just go serve the guests then I might miss one of my team members who needs something, which then in turn serves a guest in in need of something. <laughs> so I really do my best to serve our team first, and that's what Hospitality Life, you know, how it came to fruition and some of the things it's done through this uh, difficult time. And, uh, you know, as, as Florida allowed the restaurants to reopen about a month and a half ago, we were at 50% capacity in both of our restaurants and both of the restaurants were beating last year's sales at 50% capacity. I, I cannot explain to you how that happens <laughs> and other than my faith is like, you know, it's not, it's not one plus one math. Yeah. And especially for a restaurant like 28 North that just opened last year in February. Yeah. So it was still on its, pink cloud of new restaurant novelty sales were were kicking you know doing amazing so this year covid hits we are allowed to reopen we're at 50 percent capacity and we're beating last year's sales was the average ticket price just much higher no i mean ticket prices are the same i mean it, it, it doesn't make sense will it really doesn't make sense you know uh the the average ticket was the same we we just and there was one week here in florida you know you know the weather if you don't like it the weather in florida just wait five minutes or or travel five miles (laughs) and the sun will come out but uh we had one week that it rained five days here in a row so a lot of our seating is outside we got a lot of beautiful outdoor dining here and none of it was sat and we still beat last year and we weren't even at 100% capacity. So that was a real uh, just grateful, um, I guess, a uh, couple of weeks, you know. And then also probably had a lot to do with the pent-up, quarantined mm. people. You know, our, our, our community is an outdoor community. We're, we're in Florida. We're near the beach, the water, and the rivers. And I don't think anybody anywhere liked to be inside for a month mm-hmm. or two or three months. So yeah. there was a big demand when they let everybody out of the house and they said the restaurants could reopen. So it was rocking and rolling, you know, even at 50% capacity. But now that Florida 
has reopened and the numbers of COVID cases are going up and the deaths are going up too. The consumer confidence has dropped back down. So we're in this little bit of a downward trend and, uh, you know, challenge this, this uncertain uh, end or, or journey because COVID's not going away. There's no, there's no destination to COVID-19. It's, it's going to be around probably forever. But uh, the uncertainty of how long it's going to be this impactful on us uh, is very trying for sure. Yeah, well, this is um, when both your foundation of faith become really powerful as well as your, your creativity because the amount, of, the amount of creativity, and it's not surprising, I won't say, but the amount of creativity I've seen come out of folks like yourself and restaurant owners around the country in terms of quickly adjusting a business and finding ways to create revenue that had never been there or revenue streams has been inspiring, um, to say the least. Definitely. And, yeah. you know, they, I don't know who said this, but, you know, necessity is the mother of all invention. Uh, mm. de- desperation is the mother of all invention. I think it is. Um, yep. so when our backs against the wall, um, sometimes we come up with our best ideas, but you know, this is tough because it, it hit and then, you know, we start to see the light at the end of the tunnel and then now it's getting dark again and you're just like, what the heck? So I, uh, but I applaud you for what you've done and what you've accomplished and the way you care so deeply about your team. Um, laying off a hundred people is something I, I could never even imagine. I mean, you know, we've only got five people here, so we're, we're, uh, it would not even be possible, but, uh, what, I mean, a hundred, like how many people did you have prior to this? Uh, we average about 120 staff members right now uh, between the three and then probably another 20 or 30 on top of that with just part-time catering events. So yeah, we were 140 to 150 people and we, we backed it down to probably 20 people for a couple of months. Mm. Uh, so yeah, really tough. And yeah, the creative things that, that came out of this, you know, adversity, like you said, you're, you're either going to cave to adversity or, or step up to it, you know, and, and, yeah. and figure out a way. And man, the hospitality industry, they are some resilient people yeah. and we figure things out, you know, and yes, sir. like, like in my LinkedIn profile, it's, you know, I didn't graduate from college. Um, uh, all my kids have many more college credits and degrees than I do. Uh, but the school of hard knocks will, will teach you how to, you know, survive or it'll break you, you know, that adversity. So, yeah, I mean, we were putting together, you know, take-home sangria kits, you know, and fun pizza kits for the kids, you know, so you could have you could have family night at home where kids were making their own pizzas and uh, mom and dad were making their own sangrias, you know. Uh, we are very big on school tours. We're super involved with the schools down here. So we, uh, you know, have classes come into the pizza gallery and grill to do um, a field trip, you know, probably once, twice a month, at least, you know, big groups of 20 or 30 kids, obviously schools were shut down. So we created a virtual field trip, you know, that we did online through zoom, you know, and kids could do a, could parents could come by and pick up their own uh, pizza kit, the dough, the sauce, the cheese and the toppings for free, bring it home. And hope, we hope that the parents would buy some for themselves 
but uh, the kids got their kit, and we do a virtual, you know, how to make your own pizza at home, and have a little take and bake uh, shell that they, you know, slide the pizza into their own oven and cook it. So doing virtual, we do virtual trivia. Um, you know, on Tuesday nights at Pizza Gallery and Grill, we have probably 200 people that show up for trivia. An early bird, four to six o'clock. Uh, mostly, you know, the the uh, snowbird, uh, general boomers. You know, the baby boomers would come out, and we'd have a blast with doing trivia in house. Well, they shut down our dining rooms. That was a big impact. <laughs> well, let's do virtual trivia. So our our host was doing literally virtual trivia on Zoom with all of these baby boomers, and they absolutely loved it. <laughs> so that's you awesome. know whether it's turning your restaurant into a little grocery mart, you know, selling yeah. chicken breasts and onions and lettuce, you know, because the grocery store was out of it or toilet paper or sanitizer or gloves because the rest, you know, the restaurants still had that supply chain, uh, which we did or fun meal kits to go doing things virtually, you know, <laughs> zoom became a big part of our, uh, organization, not only from a internal administrative leadership thing, but also from a marketing thing. Um, so yeah, adversity will, uh, bring out some of those, creatives for sure and then you also engage your team members and uh, find out what what they think of you know creative ideas then you have that cultural uh, thickening of you know engagement that uh, they, they have buy-in they're empowered and they're also their ideas are are not only respected and appreciated but they're actually implemented <laughs> so not not all of these ideas are mine for sure we have a incredible team you know and uh from you know the dishwashers and pizza guys and servers to you know the management lots of great involvement mm, man well there was a lot there are a lot of folks that just said independent restaurants are, are done you know when this all happened they're, they're not gonna be able to survive there but you know one of the things that you you can never predict when you make predictions about anything in the future, like you just can't predict things that you don't know, right? So right. you can't. It, it's you're taking the past and you're you're projecting it forward to the future. Well, if restaurants do this, people go in there and they sit and they eat, so they can't do that. So they're not going to make any money and they can't pay the rent and they're all screwed. Well, no, because look what y'all did. You came up with all these amazing ways to bridge the gap, and and maybe that gap is going to have to be bridged a little bit again. But you'll figure things out and and you know the, at the end of the day people what you offer is something that people want and need badly so they're going to find ways to get it which is to feel welcomed to feel warm to feel like they're being treated you know politely and respectfully and what was the acronym ape accurate politely and poli- enthusiastically enthusiastically i mean it's perfect like so if it's virtually if it's through take whatever it is in, in some things we haven't even thought of yet. People want that and in you and your team and your peers around the country are very good at providing that. And it's why people love independent restaurants, particularly independent restaurants. It's the, it's the part that you didn't get it 
dominoes. You're not going to get at the chains, which is, you know, they have their purpose and they taught you execution and you learn a lot from that. But then that creativity and the ability to pivot and adjust and tinker and try things, that's, that's what you get with independent restaurants. So there'll be more great things that'll come from this. And, uh, you know, nobody would have ever predicted, including yourself, I'm quite sure that you would have broken sales record. (laughs) Like who could have ever thought that? Yeah, I mean, the beginning of this year was really strong for our entire industry. And, uh, yeah, this happened. And, uh, you know, the, the cliche, everything happens for a reason. I'm sure we'll see a silver lining, you know, sooner or later. Um, lots of good things come from adversity, like we've already said. Yeah. Um, the independent guys, you know, I, I am so thoroughly pleased with your company. The, the smaller the companies that I dealt with, Matter of fact, I'm I'm here watching my uh, plant lady uh, water our plants. You know, the smaller independent vendors and distributors and uh, contracts that I had with both of our restaurants were so forgiving and so understanding when COVID hit. Mm. The larger the companies were, the not only less forgiving they were, the less they would even talk to me. They're like, no, sorry, pay your bill. I don't, I don't care if you're using our service or not, you know, big landlords, you know, big company, big corporate America are, I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus, but our previous scheduling company, <laughs> big guy left us hanging, said, Nope. I'm like, we're not using your product anymore. We're, we don't have anybody on the schedule. We're not using it. Can we just put it on hold for a couple of months? They're like, Nope. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> nope. You have to keep paying it. I'm like, uh, then we're done. Oh, you have to put in a, a 30 day, you know, notice that you're done. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm putting that in right now then. And that the larger the companies were, the more difficult they were in, in, in any considerations. I'm not asking for forgiveness. Don't forgive my rent. I know you got bills to pay or don't forgive my contractual obligations. I'm asking for considerations. You know, we're all in this. And I know that's a cliche that everybody was saying this. We're in this together. But as the bigger companies were saying that, they weren't making any kind of considerations. No, it was just a a marketing um, (laughs) tagline for them. No, yeah, you're exactly right, Chris. Uh, Look, uh, of course, a big part of that is because they have investors and they have to please investors and we don't have to thank you for saying that by the way companies and big footprints and lots of brick and mortar and lots of bills i get that yeah i do yeah but so does my plant lady she's got yeah a house and a mortgage and kids and a business and she's saying don't worry about it we're going to leave the plants in your restaurants i'm going to come and take care of them you're not going to have to worry about the pill right now and i'm like i mean i'm 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 like choked up and teared up, you know, by the, the humbleness of that. And so a lot of good things, you know, I saw a lot of great things, you know, not, not just the hospitality life thing, but a lot of cool things happen in our community and a lot of people giving, you know, uh, helping and serving. Uh, but okay, folks, we are, uh, we are back. Uh, Chris was in the middle of a really thoughtful comment and I was so engaged that I let my batteries on my recorder die and then of course I couldn't find batteries so I had to get two sets of remotes and uh grab those and so we're back and I've actually looks like I'm full so we're good to go so Chris sorry about that 
technology and humans together. Yes, I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> every day in my life. Uh, well, you know, it's um, it underscores the value of, uh, you know, I, like I said, I wasn't even paying attention because I was really engaged in what you're saying. And, you know, I think that the small companies, um, I, I, I've been, we've been very thankful here at Schedulefly that we don't have investors. Um, and you didn't have to say that about our company, but since you brought it up, I mean, I'll just say, you know, shoot, man, um, we're very thankful for that. And we were able to just tell anybody that needed to not pay, just not to pay for a while. And I'm, that's like one of the coolest feelings ever to be able to do that and not worry about it, not to think about it. And probably a lot of the bigger companies, the, you know, it's like the individual would do that. The employee would do that if it were his or her business, but they're hamstrung and they're, they don't have a choice and it's some policy and it's, you know, put down by somebody that has numbers to meet and their bonus depends on it. And it's just like, ah, it's just unfortunate. But, um, it did underscore for a lot of people, including, my family and a lot of my friends, the value of who you do business with and are they there for you when, you know, your back's against the wall. And it, it, I, frankly, I think it underscored for a lot of people, Chris, they realize how much they appreciate independent restaurants during this because they thought that maybe they wouldn't be there anymore and they didn't want that. And so they wanted to support them and, you know, they, they go out and folks like you have, you know, record weeks from last year, break last year's numbers because people really want y'all to be there because they know how important you are to them. And they, they reminded of that from, from something like this. Yeah. Super humbling. I mean, even as we were shut down the dining rooms to carry out, you know, the, the loyalty, the customers coming in and saying, we're so sorry. And we, we can't wait for you to get back to normal. And, you know, the, the tips, the gratuity, I mean, we're just like so over the top gracious, you know, it was, um, it was humbling. And it was, uh, it was a, it was a, I don't know, I hate to say like a sign of humanity or whatever, but it was, it was very touching a lot of those comments and you build those relationships at the, at the small business level, mm-hmm. you know, the, the big business, you know, I, that those bigger companies, uh, the CEOs don't even know their employees' names, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I know every one of my employees' names, you know? So where I, w- I want to grow, you know, and continue to expand and, and uh, you know, open up some new concepts and support some of our team members, you know, who want to have that path to success of ownership in what they're passionate for as well. Um, I, I don't know how I would feel being that big and not even knowing the people that work for me. <laughs> Uh, this it's a weird concept. So I, I love the small business, the relationship building, and uh, the loyalty that comes with it. And this COVID thing has has reared its ugly head in this industry, but it's also shown a lot of that silver lining in it. You know, one hundred percent, man. Well, t- tell me, um, tell me more about hospitality life. You mentioned what y'all been doing through this, but w- go back to what the organization itself and um, why you started it. Yeah, it was uh, about four, about five years ago, another restaurateur locally here owns uh, three location concepts. Um, we, we knew each other and we, our paths would cross occasionally and uh, he's another great Christian man, um, done a lot of good things uh, in our community and, uh, you know, we just, we got together for lunch one day and 
realized how like-minded we were and how passionate we were for our industry and the people in it. And also, I think the, the I think you know God brought us together. Number one, he came into the restaurant industry from the development, and he bought a he, he was in real estate and uh, a landlord, and he bought a location that had a, a shutdown restaurant. And uh, I came into the industry through you know the school of hard knocks coming up through it, you know, being a, a dishwasher to an owner. So we came at it at this industry from two different perspectives but both had a very similar passion for the people. Hmm. Uh, Buzz Underhill, the other gentleman I'm talking about, you know, looked at our industry differently than I did. Uh, you know, he's a, a kind of a white collar businessman and he saw a lot of our industry as a dark industry. And there is some dark places in our industry, you know, some, financially, you know, broken or spiritually broken or relationally, you know, a lot of, a lot of brokenness in our industry, um, a lot of transient, you know, kind of, uh, uh, employees, uh, some that aren't sure what they want to be when they grow up or, you know, haven't grown up yet. And I say that as, you know, it's a part of our industry, not the entire industry. And I think, uh, Buzz looked at it as a, as kind of a defining our industry is this kind of dark industry. And I'm like, no, there is so much light in our industry. Yeah. So many good things happening. There's such a family, uh, kind of, uh, feeling when you join a restaurant team, it's, it's like a second family. Mm. So there's a lot of light in it, but we both have the same feeling about, you know, supporting it, you know, the good and the bad. And, uh, so we talked about it and we, we definitely, uh, brainstormed some names and came up with a hospitality life name. And, um, you know, uh, filed the corporate papers. It's a legitimate 501c now. And uh, it's come together over the past four years organically, very slowly grown. Um, we have a bit of an informal board now that uh, meets, you know, quarterly. And uh, we're, we're still just growing organically. And uh, we decided at the beginning of this year that we were going to be a resource uh, organization a resource that has a website with you name it, anything that has to do with life, there's a resource there for our industry. And what I've come to know in our industry is we do have a lot of young people that either, you know, are going through school or haven't got an education yet or haven't got the experience yet, whatever that means, experience in, you know, relationship building, counseling, therapy, whatever or addictions, you know, and, and stuff like that, that is rampant in our industry as well. So they just don't have the, they don't know what they don't know. Yeah. A lot of our industry people. So there are tons of resources in every community in Brevard County, especially to help a lot of them free, you know, uh, from, you know, AA meetings to counseling to, you know, church family groups to financial counseling to you know uh gyms you know we have a local gym called trinity fitness that you know just take what they they ask you to give what you can you know you don't have to commit to some you know monthly you know fee so there is physical spiritual relational financial needs in in everybody's life 
and in our industry, they seem to be a little bit more of an issue with with a lot of our industry people, you know, working paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and just not really being, uh, not knowing what they don't know. So we became this organization that has a resource website with all kinds of great information, links, people, places that can that can help. And uh, as it continues to grow, we actually have a, a fund now that you can apply online to uh, receive financial help with any hardship that you've experienced. So there's some there's some financial help that we are wanting to begin to offer. Um, again, this is organically growing. Neither Buzz or myself have the time to put into this uh, organization. We have the passion to support it, and all of our restaurants are supporting it financially. Uh, but it was about a year and a half ago we found um, a, a young lady, Crystal, who is now the director of uh, hospitality life and she's putting in about 20 hours uh, a month just to maintain its social media presence its facebook page its website resources and website communication uh, so it's it's still growing organically we have a you know a passion to serve the people in our industry from a mind body and spirit place hmm. you know however that looks whatever it means you know, we're still growing and learning, uh, but our industry has, you know, needs in that area, like I think every industry does, but we're particularly passionate about the food and beverage people. I love that, man. The, the industry needs that. Um, the industry needs that in Melbourne, and it needs it everywhere, and there's fortunately lots of organizations and groups that are, that are popping up and try and provide that kind of assistance um, and, you know, just helping people recognize uh, that, you know, a lot of the, the way that this industry has, has run for a long time, it's been sort of a work hard, play hard thing. And, yeah, um, exactly. you know, it, and that was, that was um, spearheaded by a lot of the, of the owners around the country. Um, mm-hmm. And, a lot of people are starting to recognize that's that's not sustainable. That's not healthy. That leads to all kinds of problems. It's not good for business. And there's there's a lot of good conversations going on um, in, around the country and in in this industry about that. And so I'm I'm really thrilled that y'all are doing what you're doing. And tip my hat and thank you for doing yeah, have what you're doing. Have you heard doing. of uh, the group, uh, the Indigo Road Group? I know Ben's friends. Yes. Uh, do you know? Okay, there yeah. You go. Sure. Well, Absolutely. If, if I can share a quick testimony. Please. Yeah. Um, Buzz, this gentleman and I that started Hospitality Life, the uh, first board meeting we had for Hospitality Life this year was in January here at 28 North. And uh, after the board meeting was over, he handed me a book and he said, here, I, I brought this book for you. And it was uh, Say Grace, yeah. How the Restaurant Industry Saved My Life uh, by Steve Palmer. And I, and I get chills even saying that right now. Yep. Um, but I'm not a big reader, and I'm, but I do love books like that. And this this one caught my attention. It said, "How the restaurant, how the restaurant industry saved my life." I'm like, cool, all right. So I bring it home and I kind of throw it on my desk and don't touch it for a few days. But finally, one day came along and I picked it up and I could not put the book down. Well, yeah. yeah. It sucked me in, and. 
I read three quarters of it right then and there in that first sitting, and I picked it right back up the next day and finished it. Mm. And uh, and when I finished it, I learned about the Ben's Friends movement uh, that Steve and Mickey yep. Mask uh, started. And uh, I have a similar story. Matter of fact, my my personal testimony and professional testimony is almost uh, it is crazy mirroring Steve Palmer's wow his story that he writes in that book he and I went through so many of the same experiences mm. uh, had the same experiences uh, it, it's it's crazy the, the the similarities between his testimony and mine to the point where I was I mean I was kind of freaked out by it I was like this guy's writing up a biography about me, not an autobiography about him. Wow. Uh, but I reached out to him and I, I, I sent him an email. He responded to me immediately. We got to know each other. I, I told him we're super interested in starting a Ben's Friends down here. Uh, I went up to uh, uh, to Charleston. I, I stayed you know, there with Mickey at the Charleston Inn and Charleston Place, and they spoiled me and my wife, Robin Rotten. And we attended a Ben's Friends meeting and came back with every initiative to start it, and then COVID happened. But uh, as I'm going through this experience and meeting Steve and Mickey and hearing their testimonies and sharing mine with Steve, and he he and I both literally just kind of jaw-dropping like, you you went there too, that happened to you too, you did that too, that, what, what? (laughs) I mean, it was one thing after another to the point where, He's got one daughter, his stepdaughter. I have four daughters, my oldest being my stepdaughter, and both of them are named Madison. So oh my God. <laughs> all these just crazy, just, I'm like, it's, it's, it's unbelievably uh, coincidental. So here's the real good part. I went to, back to Buzz and said, hey, Buzz, I just want to thank you for that book you gave me. I mean, here's what's come about of it. We're going to get ready to launch as Ben's Friends through Hospitality Life Now, a chapter here in Brevard County. I got to meet Mickey and Steve. We, we're building a good relationship there. These guys are amazing. The, the testimonial that my life has and the similarities to Steve Palmer's in this book are unbelievably similar. And Buzz didn't know my personal testimony at all. So Buzz looked at me and he said, Chris, he says, that's awesome. And I'm not sure why when I read this book I thought of you. But here's something even more cool. I don't even know where the book came from. Someone mailed it to me and it didn't even have a return address on it. Golly. Wow. That's unreal, man. There's my, you know, coincidence not god moment yeah I mailed this book to buzz no return address buzz reads it he thinks of me when he reads it he hands it to me i read it relationships begin ben's friends hopefully comes to brevard county here in the sooner than later days uh, even with covid but uh yeah the, those guys at the indigo road group are doing amazing things in charleston and all over where their restaurants are uh, initiatives to help our industry, you know, that they've taken are, are just beyond what I could even, you know, do or fathom. So we're doing our little thing here in Brevard County, but I got a lot of, you know, influencers out there that I owe my uh, success to, you know, first of all, my faith, but, you know, some really 
inspirational people, Steve Palmer, uh, Ari, you know, with Zingerman's, uh, you know, some guys in Chicago that I've, that I've visited. Not, not all of my ideas are that innovative, creative. They're things I've seen other people do that I just have done differently or maybe our way or maybe with a little twist. Yeah. (laughs) I don't believe there's a whole lot of, you know, original ideas anymore. You know, there's a few here and there, but most are just things that have been done before and getting done better or a little differently. And, uh, yeah, the, the small independence, man, I, I would put my money on them any day versus the corporate giants, you know, just from a relational place and foundational place and experiential place. Cause it's, it's not just about the food or, or the service. It's the whole experience, man. Okay, you're going to laugh at this. So you were, I was asking you about that, and I started talking about the conversations that people are having in the different organizations. And on the, Ben's friend was on the tip of my tongue, and I literally, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to tell him about it afterwards because I bring it up on so many of our podcasts. So, <laughs> I'm always like, yep. hey, have you heard of Ben's friends? Do you have a chapter there? Because uh, they're, they're awesome. So uh, Indigo Road is, uh, th- those guys are customers and um, of ours, and I've, yeah, great people. Uh, Steve was in. Uh, uh, we've done a couple of books. You know, this this podcast is called Restaurant Owners Uncorked, and we've had a couple of Restaurant Owners Uncorked books. And Steve was in the second one, and we did that back in like 2016, 17. So I, I kind of got to know him a little bit then, and um, have really always had a lot of respect for him and what he's done in the industry. And Ben's friends is what a yeah. wonderful, wonderful addition and needed very needed and necessary addition to this industry. And I'm glad y'all are, I'm so glad that story is amazing. And I'm, I'm so glad y'all have connected. He's a an amazing guy. I don't know Mickey. Uh, a guy named Scott Crawford is uh, on the board with those guys. He's up in Raleigh. He's another just phenomenal, phenomenal human being. And um, yeah, I think he's leading that chapter in Raleigh, right? He is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We actually yeah, did a, uh, we did like a, like a, it's at Crawford and son. Uh, one of Scott's restaurants, Scott and Steve, uh, and I did like a, it was like a round table, whatever you want to call it. We had microphones and we recorded it for a, the podcast and Scott, you know, sold tickets. This was like back, I don't know, uh, late, I can't, when was it like last fall, I think. But anyway, they had, uh, they sold tickets and, you know, they sold out, but I mean, it's like, 50 people or whatever it was, but you know, it was just Scott and Steve telling their stories and, um, the stories of the industry as well. And I just kind of, I was like the moderator. I just sat there and listened. It was fascinating. It was so good. Yeah, um, that is awesome. and you know what? So their customers were, in well, their customers, I mean, these were Scott's customers and, uh, but he's very, um, candid, you know, I mean, extremely candid, uh, with his story and I mean, details of, you know, I think he said that uh, during that thing, I mean, it's I, I can say it here because we literally, you know, we use it as a podcast uh, episode. So it went beyond the walls of that room. But he said, you know, it was harder for him to um, to uh, become sober, to admit that he had a problem and, and decide he needed to become sober than it was to go buy, you know, drugs in the bad part of town at two o'clock in the morning um you know that was a big step for him the years year but he was down there with those guys when uh ben took his life and so um down in florence and uh 
anyway, it's uh, yeah, thank ben you, Murray, right? Yeah, thank you for what you're doing, man. I'm I'm so glad we brought that stuff up because it's such an important part of the industry. And right now, you know, th- that's one of the reasons we really thought it was so important um, to like no matter what to let people keep using schedule fly during this because the mental health part of being connected to a team and um, yes it's yeah. really important and so if there's a way that people can stay communicating through something like this when they don't have a job and there's already so many um, issues in the industry you, you, people need support networks and they need their teammates and they need their managers and their the people they count on and that they're you know they're in the the uh, trenches with every day and this in particular i was really worried when this happened just about just the mental health you know secondary of, of impacts uh for the industry yeah hospitality people are the extreme social beings you know we, we love serving people we love interacting we're mostly yeah. extroverted people and you say quarantine that's like you know that's like capital punishment yeah, that's right. And uh, thank goodness for, you know, the schedule fly, you know, uh, texting and, you know, social media and, you know, whether it's FaceTime or Zoom, you know, Ben's friends jumped on the Zoom, you know, and there was there was meetings going on every day all over the country. It was awesome. Yeah, so it's amazing. Kept people connected and sane to some extent, you know, and until we could get back out and get back to part of what we love doing and the family that we love doing it with in our, in our restaurants. Love it, man. Chris, I'm going to let you roll. I, I can't thank you enough. Um, I, I could talk to you for another couple of hours easily. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, I appreciate your time and uh, appreciate the commitment you've made to your community and to your team and to your industry and really enjoyed this. And we'll, we'll do it again sometime for sure, man. Well, thanks for having me. It's a great chat and, uh, keep doing what you're doing up there as well. All right, man. Have a good one. Thanks so much. You too. See you. Bye-bye.